Thanksgiving break much? Okay, been a little quiet. I know I say that all the time, but I literally have missed two weeks. Oh, so sad, so sorry. I was on a trip. I brought my microphone. I was ready to podcast, but honestly, I was just, I was anchored in joy and gratitude and just, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything except for eat and laugh and drink wine with my family and I'm not going to apologize for it. But I am excited to be back with y'all. Let's check it out. This is the Gaining My Perspective podcast, and you're hanging here with me, Wendy Cunningham. You're here to get empowered, inspired, informed, and encouraged as we navigate the everyday journey of this crazy life. Stick around, because we're going to laugh, and we're going to learn. And above all else, we're going to gain perspective. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, I have to vent for a minute. (laughs) Did you guys know, or maybe you're experiencing a, a Christmas tree shortage, like a Christmas tree shortage. And here's the deal. I am a very serious Christmaser. If you know me, you know, this is, this is a no holds bar holiday for me. It is all out. I moved across the country five years ago and we sold, we had a 4,400 square foot house and we sold all of our furniture and fit everything that we needed to take from that house to our 2,000 square foot house here in Tennessee into one moving U-Haul. That is it. We took one trip that if it didn't fit in the trailer, it wasn't going And I moved five large storage containers full of Christmas decorations. Yes, I did not downscale my 4,400 square feet to my 2,000 square feet. No, I did not. I now shove all that decor into my smaller house because then it just elevates the magic, right? So I am a fierce Christmas fan. Of course, I love Jesus. I love Christmas magic. I love all the traditions. My husband does not love this about me. I mean, I think he thinks it's like endearing or something. It's not his favorite thing about me. We'll just say that. He doesn't, I'm secretly down below his hard exterior. I know he loves that he doesn't even have to do anything and his kids are just bursting with Christmas joy. Like for example, I just booked for next Thursday all these little special Christmas magical events that me and the kids are doing. And Tom's not even invited. He doesn't even get to come because he doesn't have joy. And so he's not invited. I'm not even on the same subject. Christmas tree shortage. Here's the deal. Maybe you don't know this because you are a fake tree person. And, you know, I know there's like this great divide in the country right now, so I'm not going to harp too much on the division between the artificial tree people and the real tree people, but 
moving to the south, I have to say most people here are artificial tree people and you know, no judgment, no judgment. I mean, I get it. Like there's no pine trees that grow possibly in the whole state, maybe only just along the very eastern side of Tennessee. Totally understandable why people maybe don't have pine trees. But what's funny, and here's a little mini tangent again, guys. When I lived in northern Nevada, right by Lake Tahoe, the trees I bought at the tree farm came from Oregon and Washington. Riddle me that, Batman, because we had pine trees all around us. And yes, one year I did get the $10 permit which allows you to go into the woods and cut down a tree of your choice. I say I did that one time because I had an infant strapped to me, two dogs leashed to my arm, and it was very snowy. And anyway, I did that one year. Wasn't quite as magical as I thought it would be in my brain. So I am, oh, I gotta say I nearly caved this year and got an artificial tree because I really was set up for failure. I, and I promise I'm going somewhere with all this. I was traveling over the holidays, which is why I haven't chatted with y'all in a minute. I left on the 20th and got home on the 30th, which is a long time to be gone. And I am a very loyal Black Friday Christmas tree buyer. Again, there is a great divide and I'm not gonna harp on those people who get their tree up before Thanksgiving, especially when Thanksgiving is on the 25th. It's not even like Thanksgiving was like on the 29th. It was on the 25th, right? 24th, 25th. So, I mean, I don't know what y'all are doing. I'm going to blame it on COVID. It's like when Black Friday starts to get, you know, it's been creeping up since we were kids. It used to be legitimately on Black Friday and now it's like Thanksgiving night. And then it was like, no, it's right after Halloween. Like, it's just ridiculous. Okay. Again, tangent. There's so many reasons why we are divided in this country, right? So we're focusing on the things that unite us. There is a Christmas tree shortage. And I was late to the game because I was traveling. So I did not get the opportunity to even go out into the world and discover there is a Christmas tree shortage until, gosh, Tuesday. Nope, Thursday. Today is Saturday. Two days ago, we went out after my husband got home to go to our favorite Christmas tree picking out place. They have also do a pumpkin patch. So there's like big giant slides and tire swings and blah, blah, blah. Very, you know, magic, Christmas magic. And we pull around the corner. We have to drive like 30 minutes to this place. We pull around the corner. There's no lights. No one's there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they didn't do trees this year. False. Big sign on gate says sold out. Sold out of Christmas trees. You guys, I remember years where on Christmas Eve, I still see trees leaned up against Rayleigh's and Kroger and all, you know, Home Depot. So you're gone. You don't have any more tree. Not one tree. Sold the heck out on December 1st. Whatever day that was. Nope. Maybe December 2nd. December 2nd. No trees. Zero trees. Okay. Don't panic. Nobody panic. Where can we get trees? My husband, as brilliant as he is, the most observant person on the face is like, I know where there's a tree lot. Let's go. So we drive to this other tree lot. It's all merry. There's like a fire looking cute and lights and twinkly and whatever. But I'm painfully aware. I see about 20 trees and they're all shorter than me. This is not going to work. We get out. We look around. Immediately, this woman greets me with, there's a Christmas tree shortage. Her trees come from Michigan, which I think is great. A lot of our trees here in Tennessee come from North Carolina. Christmas tree shortage. And I literally was like, why? Tell me more. Because like, 
trees grow for a minute last I checked. So like this can't be related to COVID because these trees that I see with my little eyes right now were not planted since the pandemic. They had to have been planted pre-pandemic. So what's the deal? Is it a trucking situation? Are tree cutters being laid off because of this vaccine mandate? What's the deal? And she said, no, there's like a lease issue with the, I don't know what she's, it didn't make any sense. Why is there a Christmas tree shortage? So I am forced to pick a inflated price. I know for you artificial tree people, this is why you don't buy Christmas trees because they're too expensive. And I will agree with you on that. But you can't put a price on Christmas magic. So I buy a very expensive, shorter than me Christmas tree for my back porch because although I have a smaller house now, it is very important that I have not one, but two trees in my other house. I may have had three trees. This is something I inherited from my mom. Don't blame me. It's in my blood. It's a thing. So we get our shorter than me Christmas tree for the back porch, which is even shorter than I would even put on my back porch in normal life. But that's all I got. And all the trees are losing their needles already. I just was so disappointed. So we get our short tree. Then we go over to Lowe's, which I am adamant. There is no Christmas magic at Lowe's. I am so sad that at this point I have to go to Lowe's, but that's the only place I can think that might for sure have some more trees. And oh, it was not magical. It was like an abandoned yard of laid on their side, you know, trees that have been obviously already picked through. All the good ones are gone. There's very few even tall ones. And somehow, because I'm late for a call for business, I have to like convince myself that this atrocious tree is the perfect tree for our living room. It's about the size as my my husband. I like like nine to 10 foot Christmas trees. This is like a six foot tree, but it's taller than my, you know, four foot tree that I already got. And it's skinny. And I don't mean like narrow, like artificial trees are narrow. I mean, like when you look at it from one side, it's very wide. And then when you look at it from the other side, it's very skinny. What is that? But then I think to myself, oh great, it'll fit better against my wall. We get it home. Neither of these trees fit in our Christmas tree stands. We have two Christmas tree stands. The one that is usually for our small tree doesn't even fit the biggest tree we have. The one that we, the second tree we got. The small stand is too big for the big tree. And I'm almost, I'm on the verge of tears at this point, very angry that I'm dealing with this because obviously I have a very blessed life for this to be. I'm totally obvious. You guys know I'm being a little sarcastic here. But this was a real moment where I'm like, communism has come to America. We are experiencing shortages for no reason. We are experiencing joy being absolutely sucked out of traditions for no reason. Everything has been arbitrary since the beginning of this pandemic. If you really look at it, everything has been so arbitrary. But Christmas? You're going to come for my Christmas trees. Needless to say, we found a place where there was really big Christmas trees and I bought a third Christmas tree and it is very tall. It's actually too tall. I'm not going to lie. I got too excited. That tree is still in my front yard because it's too tall to fit in my house. So I have to take it out of the stand and cut it to be shorter. But goodness gracious, you cannot buy humbug me. No way. Communist takeover Marxists. No, not today. We're getting our trees. So I say all that to say, as we reach the end 
of our year and the beginning of our holiday season, it just makes me reflect (laughs) on how good we still have it and how this is a really funny thing to have ruffled my feathers, especially having traveled for 10 days across the country during holiday travel. I just really... Um, I hope I'm, I'm, I hope this makes you laugh and I hope I'm refocusing you guys because I truly believe, and this is what I was able to do over the Thanksgiving holiday, and I want to talk to you about my experience traveling across the country. I know a lot of you did, and I hope you had similar experiences as I did, but there is so much still to be grateful for. These issues that we're facing, I know a lot of them are really critical, and I do not mean to minimize them, but we are still, still so blessed so blessed to live in this country. We are still so blessed to be able to celebrate the things that we want to celebrate and the ways that we want to celebrate them despite the attempts to mandate them away, put division in our families, put division in our groups of friends, uh, drive us with fear to not go where we want to go and not see who we want to see and not do the things that we want to do. Despite all that, if you are brave and if you are courageous and if you are willing, you can still be very blessed. And we do have to hand all this over to Jesus. And I've said this so many times, we do have to hand this over. And it is for Jesus that we celebrate at the end of this year, right? It is, it is in celebration of a God who would send us his son to take the burden of the sin that we cannot ourselves rectify. No matter how good we are, no matter how much we obey the quote-unquote law, no matter how much we try to line up with our idea of what is perfect or what is good, it is. it always falls short. It always falls short. There's nothing we can do. Jesus did it all. He did it all. It's done. It's over. It's complete. It is all done. It's so good. This is good news. And as we get our trees and laugh about our issues and our, you know, Thanksgivings and our Christmases, you know, still yet to play out. And we look at the hard things that we're going to have to navigate and the hard conversations that we're going to have to deal with and the tests we might have to take or what have you. I just want us to remember to anchor into gratitude because the things that we are dealing with are still the little things. They're still the little things, right? And again, I don't say that to minimize. I just say that to um, refocus us, refocus us on joy. Because I did travel across the country. And if you know me, you know that pre-pandemic, I used to get on planes on average about every three weeks and go somewhere for business or for to visit somebody or what have you. And I really enjoyed that. I actually dread flying. I hate flying. I'll say hate is a strong word because I am grateful that planes exist and they can take me far places in a much shorter span of time. Very grateful for that. I remember being, when I was traveling Europe back in the day, thinking we took a lot of trains over the time I was there and trains don't go super fast, although I don't have to drive them. So it's great. I could take a nap on a train. However, when I got on a plane after a month of taking trains everywhere, I just felt so grateful for planes. So I don't hate flying. I'm grateful flying exists, but I, it's not my favorite thing to do. It makes me really anxious and I, you know, whatever. So I used to fly a ton. I got really used to flying and then I kind of was the rebel. The last time I flew was May of 2020. That was pre the mask mandate. Although they were recommending masks on the plane, I put a mask on. At that point I was maybe pro mask still. I'm trying to remember how this all, how the cookie crumbled for me. 
but I still was like, I don't know if this works or doesn't work, but like, whatever, I don't mind it. So I, I wore it on the plane, but I didn't wear it while I was flying on the plane, like just to board. And then we took it off. It was just me and my kids. We flew to California to visit my family. And at that time, no one was flying. The middle seat was still open. Those were the days, right? There was no one in the airport, literally no one. And um, that was the last time I flew, mainly out of principle, because I'm someone who is very stubborn, if you don't know. And uh, I am very willing to um, put my money where my mouth is, so to speak, and not support things that, um, you know, I'm not perfect at this. I don't mean to brag, but I do try to, you know, stand on principle. And even if it seems silly or whatever, I know that some of the things I am like adamant about my friends think are silly. I understand that. And that's fine, right? But I'm like, if none, if we are not people of principle and we remain people of preference, we're going to lose it all, guys. We are totally going to lose it all. And so I've been very principled about it. Not going to fly because they, it's the one place I know I will not be able to get away with not wearing a mask. And so I just haven't gone, just haven't flown. We have been, my family, in about 11 states over the course of the pandemic. So it's not that we have given up traveling. We've just changed the way we traveled. We bought a new camper, which campers were hot items in 2020 because no one was flying anywhere. Got a new camper, have done a lot of traveling. Love that. Actually, it's my preferred way. I would have, we almost drove to California for the holidays just because we're principled and we like to travel in our camper and do that. But it was going to be too much time gone. My husband's really busy right now. So Needless to say, we flew, and I want to tell you guys that I was excited um, to discover a couple of things. One, it's really funny. This isn't something I'm excited about necessarily yet. It's really funny that I can live in Tennessee, and you know, I don't even remember. I can't even think of a place where there is a mask sign posted on the front of a business. They're not even there anymore. People wear masks if they want to. Very few people do where I live in rural Tennessee, but even up in Nashville area, at most, it would be 50% of people is wearing a mask, but usually it's less than half of the people are wearing a mask any place that I am. And they don't bug you. Like you can, if you don't wear it, it's fine. Like I said, oftentimes it's not even posted. To go to, back to California, <laughs> where it's on every business, most people are complying. It, it was just a completely different world to go, you know, you can handle it the way California is handling it, or you can handle it the way Tennessee is handling it. California's had atrocious numbers this whole time. It doesn't seem to be working. I don't understand why they're still doing it the way that they're doing it. And I really don't understand why people are still going along with it. I guess it's just habit by now. But it was funny to go from Nashville where I'm like, there's nobody piling up in the streets. There's no hospitals overwhelmed. We're just living our little lives basically mask free. And if you've been to Nashville, you know, it's not a COVID crisis. It's a fire hazard. Those clubs in the night be hopping with the peeps. You go in there shoulder to shoulder. You're not worried about COVID. You're worried about the floor collapsing. So we have kind of basically just removed that from our culture here. And then to be put back into a place where it's very, you know, still the thing, everybody's still doing it. And again, we've said this before, it is a visual of It is a visualization. It is something you see with your eyes to remind yourself, I should be afraid. This is, we are scary times. We are in the pandemic. Like I don't even think about COVID when I'm out and about in Nashville. And of course it was everywhere. I had to think about where should I go eat? What grocery store do I want to go to? Do I really want that coffee or what have you? Because I just didn't want to deal with it. I don't want to go in and see it. I don't want to support a business that is posting a mask sign, whatever. But it was really hard in California to get away with that. 
we did forego going to one of my very favorite places in uh, Minden, Nevada for lunch because my girlfriend said three weeks ago she was kicked out for not wearing a mask. And I said, okay, we're not going there. I love their food. We are not going to support that business if you're going to be kicking people out for no medical reason. Silly dumb. Dumb, dumb, dumb. So we did, you know, stick to our principles. We hiked. We did things outdoors. We didn't ever go out to eat in a restaurant because I did not want to deal with it. We cooked. Plus, it's better, you know, at home, spending time with the old family. But my traveling experience going into the airport in Nashville, where there's very little compliance with any kind of masking, to walk into the airport and see 100% compliance with masking. I was like, oh gosh, this is a funny thing. This is like, obviously people like think this is a sacred ground or, you know, COVID is very prevalent in airports, I guess. And, you know, I thought that the logic of when you walk in a restaurant with your mask on and you sit down at the table, you can take your mask off. So if you're sitting, you should be able to take your mask off based on that logic, not the case in an airport. Airport COVID knows no height limitations. It can get you even if you're sitting, so be weary. So my family and my kids, we walk in without our mask in, in the airport. We're the absolute only people. We go to check in our bags, no mask. The lady says, do you have masks? We said, yes. She said, okay, you'll need them. I said, I know, thank you. And we went on our way. She didn't make us put on any masks. And I just thought to myself, oh my gosh, this is so funny. Like that was the moment. And I would have put it on if she told me to, but she didn't. And I just thought, oh my gosh, here we are just all making assumptions or, you know, just complying blindly. Make them tell you, make them tell you, unless you're afraid, if you're afraid and the mask gives you comfort, you do you. But if you think it's garbage, then like, don't put it on till they tell you. We go through security. I had it under my nose. Nobody said anything. We go, um, after we get through security, I literally took it off my face and put it away in my bag. Walked around the airport, got my coffee, got my things, sat at my chair, put it back on when it was time to board. Luckily, and this is Southwest, not that it matters because coming back, we had a different experience. It just shows me this isn't a company thing. It's not like you can go, I'm just going to not shop at, I'm going to not fly Southwest. I'm going to fly some other airline or I'm not going to fly. I'm not going to go to Starbucks. I'm going to go to some other coffee shop. I wish it were just that simple, but it's truly an ideology that shows up in, in individuals. It's not a company. Sometimes it's a company thing. Don't get me wrong. I think Starbucks pretty much it's a company thing. If you go in there, you know what they think about all the things, right? But Southwest, our experience going to California, and we had two separate flights, obviously. Same story in Utah. We had our layover in Utah, didn't wear a mask, no issues, nobody said a word. On our flight from Nashville to um, Utah, my kids pretty much had their mask under their chin the whole time. Nobody said a word. Even when they came and got our you know, drink orders, what have you, nobody said a word. I had mine under my nose the whole flight. On the second flight, we get on and the flight attendant has her mask under her nose. And I'm like, I see you you my people, right? So we get on, we sit in our chairs or whatever. They don't even say a word about masks over the loudspeaker. The first flight did say there is a mandate, blah, blah, blah. Second flight, not a word, no one. And it was just so encouraging to me. I'm sure that they're required by some stupid made up arbitrary rule to say that there is a required mask mandate that obviously we're all aware of, just like we know we're not supposed to smoke on an airplane. We all got it. We got it by now, but please tell me every time. I know how to buckle my seatbelt. But for sure, show me every time I've ever been on a plane. Could be the first time for someone. I get it. So we know we're not supposed to wear it. They don't say any word. I took it off on the flight. It was great. 
we land, don't wear it in California, in our SAC airport, but we're on our way out of the airport, so I understand that. Coming back, different experience, encounter the gal at check-in. She gives me all the attitude about put on your mask, which I did. You can ask me politely, I will put it on. I put it on. Once we, you know, moved on from her, we took it off again, and then no one else had an issue. So like, okay, again, it's an individual. It's not like the whole airport was like being policed with people that are panicking about masks. And um, our flight there, we we kept our, I think I had it under my, our, our flight back, meaning from um, SAC to LA that time, we had it under our nose. Our connection was so fast. I don't know how LAX would have been, but I have a guess as to how they would have been about masks. And then LA to Nashville, um, we had ourselves a genuine Nazi um, flight attendant, the ones you read about in the news where she, my daughter was waiting in line for the bathroom at the back of the plane. And she came back and she's like, I literally heard her correct five different people on, they were chewing with their mask down. Now that's the rule. And they say that is when you're eating, you can have your mask down. But this flight attendant said, you can only take it down just below your lips to put a chip or a piece of food or popcorn or whatever in your mouth. And then it must go back up for the chewing. Uh, You know, like this is where I just want my brain it just hurts me. It hurts my brain to try to go. I can't come along beside you. I just feel like if it made sense, I'd be like, all right, but it feels like a power trip. It feels very arbitrary, but needless to say, we were very masked, very masked on our, that flight back to Nashville. Very grateful to get into my beautiful BNA airport and take off my mask and put it away and go on my merry way into a restaurant in Nashville, not even a sign posted, not a server, not a hostess, not a person wearing a mask. Oh, it just was so good to be home. And again, it's just so funny to go into these different worlds. It's the same country, it's the same country, just different leaderships, different ideology, different craziness, right? And of course, the people who are all bought in in California, I'm sure think the people in Tennessee are absolute lunatics and vice versa. It's so sad, but the, the, the statistics show, the results are there. It doesn't matter. It's the, it's a complete arbitrary act of compliance to see how far and for how long and we're going to get you to inject stuff in your body and then also still wear the mask. Like, I, what can I make you do against your will or without making any sort of logical sense and what will you go along with? This is what I was able to look at being in two sides of the country, in two places of the country over break. But going back to my message of joy and feeling grateful and anchoring into that, I was able to be with my family who is vaccinated, my family who is not vaccinated. We were able to talk about things. First of all, we were able to talk about things that were not related to the pandemic, which was great. My aunts and uncles and people went on a trip to Boston. We got to learn all about that. They, you know, a lot of them feel a little bit different than I do about the thing. Um, we did have a revelation over Thanksgiving dinner that some of us at the table were not vaccinated and the other people who were thought that was just absolutely wild and dangerous, but like we got past it. There wasn't a blowout and, or blow up, I guess. (laughs) Blowout is a baby diaper. That's in my visual. Uh, some of those conversations are like a blowout. Let's be honest, but this was not either not a blow up or a blowout. It was great. It was fine. Went past. We're good. Um, we were able to navigate all that again. And again, I think it just comes from, and you guys, I gotta say, not being on social media has been, oh my goodness gracious, 
such a breath of fresh air and blessing. I got off of it at the beginning of January and um, have been off of it. Didn't, I mean, I went a couple, like in February and March, I was a little on the fence. Like, did I make the right choice? Like, I feel like I'm missing out. Like, do my friends want to see my kids? Blah, blah, blah. Nope. All those chains are broken. I am fully free. Don't wish it. Don't want it. Don't miss it. Think it's done. I, I know a lot of people have to be on it for business. I should be on it for business. But I have found just so much freedom because here's what I was able to do over the holidays. I was able to look everybody genuinely in the face and say, hello, how are you? I missed you and give you a hug because I legitimately don't know if you would have unfriended me. I don't know if you would have commented nastily on anything I posted. I don't know what you nastily posted on your Facebook or Instagram or what have you. I don't know how you feel. I don't know what your vaccine status is. I don't know a dang thing about a thing. So I was able to genuinely enter into these conversations and these relationships with people I have not seen in over a year, 18 months, without any predisposed ideas about what they might feel about me and what I might feel about them. Now, of course, I know where I'm at, but I this is the way this has worked since the get-go, and I hope you guys recognize this. Although I am adamantly against this whole jab mandate and all of the garbage, and I think it's a very dangerous option, and there's no long-term, long-term studies, and you guys know where I stand on that. I will never say you cannot get the jab. If you want to and you've done your research and you've weighed your risks and all the things, then you go about your happy day and I will be very friends with you forevermore. I don't care. It's totally fine. The other way it doesn't work, the people who, not all people, but the people who are unfriending and being nasty and ugly are coming from the other people, the people who are vaccinated. How dare you not do what I did? How dare you not do what I think you should do? This is the direction of the negative, the negativity, right? So even if I, I'm encountering someone I know has chosen to get vaccinated, oh, well, I don't care. One of my dearest friends that I sat in her living room for two and a half hours early in the morning, so that was the only time I got to see her, break away and see her. I, she is. I'm not. It was fine. I don't have any ill feelings towards her. She doesn't have any ill feelings towards me. This is what it should be about. And she invited me into her home because if she believes that's how it works, like she and she has a ton of health issues. So it makes sense, I guess, like for her to have gotten the jab, but then she's also not going to live her life in fear, live her life in hatred, live her life in angst and anger. She's going to be like, I haven't seen you come over, of course, and we're going to sit and we're going to talk about the good old days. And how are your kids and what are they doing and all these things. It was wonderful. So if you're considering that, I recommend it. If you can break free from these platforms, do it. It gives you that free grace to come into conversations and just be in a place of joy as opposed to judgment or as, oppo as opposed to angst or what have you. And again, I recognize this usually is only going to work from, for one way because it didn't shock me that the people across the Thanksgiving table had been vaccinated. That's fine, I figured. But it did shock them. And I could tell if, there, if it was a different situation, they would have probably left or exited. But here we are having Thanksgiving. So it was hard for them to have to continue on knowing, oh gosh, this has been revealed. But I hope that as if, if your Thanksgiving didn't go that way, I'm so sorry. I'm so sad about it. I, I did hear of some friends who even to go to their own parents or, or parents-in-law, they had to take a COVID test the morning of Thanksgiving just to go over and have dinner. And it, I mean, I, I understand that there's a legitimate um, fear campaign that has been waged a massive 
propaganda campaign that has been waged against us. And if you're not doing your due diligence, it's very, very easy to be swept away. And I think that I'm recognizing the generation, my parents' generation, is a lot more used to watching mainstream media and getting some semblance of the truth. And that is lost. It's gone. It's gone. I mean, this has been proved again and again and again and again. It is no longer news. It is, a ha- it is absolute propaganda and censorship. And it does not matter which network you're watching. It is all the truth. That is the truth. It is propaganda and agenda forcing. But I think if you have grown up your whole life watching the news and that's where you get the news, then you are more apt to trust what the news is saying. And I understand that. So I have a little bit more grace. My generation and below, you guys know better. We know that's not where the truth is. That's not where the truth is. And it, it doesn't make it a conspiracy if you, if you think or align with information that is coming from an alternative source. It doesn't make you a conspiracy theorist if there's scientific studies or data or what have you that you can read and learn about. If there's doctors and scientists that are aligning with your school of thought, it doesn't make you a conspiracy theorist. It makes you a critical thinker, that you're seeking out information in another way alternative information to the one that you're just the the narrative you're just being hand fed the one that you know aligns with maybe your lean because I recognize I have a bias I have a lean so I have to actively go out and seek information that does not align with my lean so that I'm rounding myself out I I do not need to be in my own echo chamber I do need to engage with con- in conversation with people I do need to debate I do need to talk to people who think the other way than I do, who have made a different choice than I've made to tell me why, tell me what you know, tell me what you read. You know, like I want to make sure, um, and I don't assume that what I know is the truth either. That's another big thing. I'm always willing to be like, I didn't get that right. Or that is now different or what have you. I know that, that these things evolve and new information comes out and we could all be very, very wrong in a million ways, right? This is why we stay anchored in gratitude and anchored in Christ because Christ is not wrong, ever. He can't be. There isn't. Like, it's good. You're solid. That's the anchoring place, right? All the rest is just details, right? It's just details. But I'm sorry if you had a Thanksgiving that was different than this experience. If you had challenging conversations or if people didn't come or if you were uninvited, that breaks my heart and makes me so sad. But I would encourage you to anchor into gratitude and control as much of what you can control as possible. And by that, I mean your expectations. If you, if your hope is to go to your parents' house or your sister's house or your aunt and uncle's house or what have you, and they don't want you to be there, then don't let that take the joy out of the holiday, out of the celebration. Have a backup plan and, and bring your own joy, BYOJ, bring your own joy, okay? Find a way to navigate this where you are protecting your heart, your mind, your family, your traditions, your kids. Don't let this be a sad and burdensome season. Let it be anchored in gratitude. Let us celebrate what we still have, what we do have. What, what are the silly things that still ruffle our feathers like a Christmas tree shortage? Because at the end, I was truly burdened. But when I laid down to go to bed, I was laughing with my husband. I'm like, thank God that that is still something that ruffles my feathers because that means we're still okay. We're still okay. We still have a million billion things to be joyful about and to be grateful for. So we're still okay. There's still hope. There's still hope. So in the season of joy and hope, as we enter into this Advent season, be expectant 
for what's to come. Have high hopes, but, but navigate your expectations. Do not let someone else steal your joy. Do not give someone else the power over you to have a bad holiday or a bad day or feel discouraged. I know that it's easy to slip into that place, but it's just as easy to go, you know what? We're going to have an even better day. I'm sorry that I was uninvited. That's sad. And you guys are going to miss out on the best Thanksgiving ever because we are going to have an awesome Thanksgiving or Christmas or Christmas party or New Year's Eve or whatever, whatever it is that you're excited for and looking forward to in this month. Decide no one gets power over my joy. No one gets power over my gratitude. I am anchored in these things and I'm going to celebrate what is still good and I'm going to celebrate that there is still hope. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast and tell all your friends. And of course, catch me over at gainingmyperspective.com. Father God, you are where the joy is. You are the source of our joy, of our hope, and our only response to you and to our circumstances is to be content and to be grateful and to be celebratory, Lord, because you are good in all seasons, in all times, no matter what, and you are such a light. You are such a beacon of hope in these times when we feel really burdened. We know that the holidays can be tricky. We know that some of us did not navigate Thanksgiving as well as we had hoped. Some of us are just reeling in the joy of having been able to be around family. Lord, we just pray over the coming month and this this season that we would stay anchored in who you are and what you did for us. And that is not broken by a pandemic, that is not broken by a virus, that is not broken by family, you know, family ties being untied or friendships being, you know, unfriended, what have you. What you have done is not broken off. It never will be. And that is all we need to know. Let us just anchor into that and be ready to celebrate no matter, come what may, no matter what comes our way, you are worth celebrating and we will be grateful. Amen.